Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Maybe you're on the radio, maybe you're on YouTube, iTunes, or the show website, CREshow.com. Well, we have a fun show for you today. We're talking about multifamily. We're going to look at how 2016 wrapped up. We're going to look at what to expect in 2017. We're going to look at cap rates. We're going to look at rental rates. We're going to look at the factors that may impact multifamily. Uh, we'll also look at uh, maybe how Trump presidency will, uh, will impact multifamily. We're also going to look at uh, multifamily REITs and what to expect moving there. And uh, then finally, we'll share some tips on buying and selling apartments in the current market. Please welcome my first guest. It's Jay Parsons. He's VP of MPF Research at RealPage, and he's joining us on the phone, Jay. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, Jay, it seems like the multifamily markets uh, almost surprised a lot of people that year after year it just seemed to, to keep growing, <laughs> you know, increasing rents, uh, improved occupancy numbers. You know, so how did 2016 wrap up? Well, 2016 certainly wasn't as hot as uh, 2015. And uh, if you're a glass half empty person, you look at that, you say, hey, we're past the peak. Uh, you know, the market is slowing. Uh, but if you're a glass half full person, which I would tend to call myself, and you look at today and or 2016, and you say, "Hey, maybe we're past the peak," but you know, if, if you don't think these numbers are good, then you have a skewed sense of what's normal or average. Yeah, that's interesting. So, how much did uh, rental rates improve uh, in 2016? What was the trend there? Well, uh, on average, throughout the year, we recorded uh, year-over-year same-store effective rent growth of about 3.6 percent. Now, having said that, the, the, the spectrum of results has grown uh, materially, meaning that uh, you, you are seeing some negative numbers in certain markets, certain segments, and you're still seeing some very big numbers in other spots. So that the spreads between the, you know, the top-to-bottom markets have gotten a lot bigger than prior years. Okay. So, Jay, is that spread more on uh, markets on cities, or is it also on class, say, A versus B and C? Yeah, it's really both. Um, certainly the, the A market, particularly in urban locations where so much of the construction is concentrated. Uh, you know, Michael, we talked about it before. I mean, we're building at a pace in downtown submarkets across the country that is really unrivaled going back to post-World War II. And so that is having a dramatic impact on rent growth in uh, the, the downtown urban core submarkets across the country, particularly the Class A space. Um, you know, you, you look at some of the late recovery markets across the country, think about places like Vegas, Phoenix, Sacramento, Atlanta, still seeing some great growth. And then just generally speaking, uh, we still continue to see strong rent growth in the suburbs across the country, as well as in that Class B segment, uh, which seems to be really positioned well, uh, given that the high price point for new supply in this cycle. You're right, and we're not typically building new B product, right? <laughs> no, you can't build B product, and you know people complain about this all the time from the outside. Yeah. But what they don't realize, and as you well know, uh, developers, you can't pencil out uh, a Class B deal. It just doesn't work, and and the only way to get a non-Class A type product is to get uh, tax subsidies. So overall, three point six percent rental rate growth uh, across the country. What about occupancy? Um, occupancy, uh, we saw a little bit of backtracking in Q4, about 40 basis points. We're right around 96.1% uh, on average for the country. Um, you know, and given the volume of supply that completed in Q4, um, which was the, the biggest Q4 volume in, um, in, in, in uh, more than a decade, 
Um, you know, we were concerned that perhaps there'd be further backtracking occupancy, but the good news is that there was still some demand in Q4, which was good, because Q4, as you know, is a seasonally weak demand period. Not a lot of people looking for uh, apartments or homes in, uh, in, in the winter months. So you've seen some average rental growth rate uh, that would correspond uh, with those rate growths around the country? Absolutely. Again, it's it's different by sector and or segment of the market and by metro, but but certainly we're still seeing some uh, some good growth and uh, for the market overall. And then multifamilies uh, seems to always be a, a sweetheart investment property type uh, around the U.S. So, what do you see for cap rate trends in 2016 in the multifamily sector? Yeah, the data we get from our real capital analytics shows that cap rates continue to see a little bit of compression. So we're getting into that. Uh, mid-fives range, which is the lowest since they started tracking uh, commercial real estate and multifamily back in 2000, 2001. Um, and, you know, anytime you say cap rates are at record lows, people get nervous. But, you know, you have to remember, of course, that, you know, yields on any investment these days are, are low compared to historical norms. And obviously the baseline treasury rate is still low. You know, we, people talk about raise, rising interest rates, but, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the, the, the increases or the increase we've seen so far was extremely mild, and no one's really projecting significant growth in interest rates anytime soon. So the key thing is that those spreads remain attractive. Right. And, you know, mid-five cap. So uh, before you call me and want me to sell your B or C product <laughs> for a mid-five cap uh, that's in a uh, secondary market, no, uh, that's, that's averaging, you know, some of the uh, Class A products, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. a good point. I mean, certainly yeah. if you look at the, the garden sector or segment of the garden properties, uh, you're still uh, north of 6%. And obviously in most of these um, uh, you know, markets across the country outside of the big, big markets, uh, we're still seeing cap rates north of 6%. You know, even in uh, you know, places like you know, Atlanta, Dallas, and other you know, large markets, I mean, the average cap rates are, haven't fallen you know, in line with the national average because you have a bigger share of that you know, B product has been very attractive to investors. That's right. So what do you expect moving forward in 2017, Jay? Well, you know, looking at 2017, I think that there's really a wide range of possible outcomes. And I hate to sort of hedge, but there's so many factors at play this year and some uncertainties of how the year will play out. You know, uh, if you assume that we're going to continue to see at least moderate economic growth, and you can make a case that it's going to be, you know, less or more, but let's just assume you continue to see good, you know, solid but not spectacular economic growth. Um, I think apartment demand is going to remain very strong. You know, obviously, beyond the economy, we have very favorable demographic trends still. Um, and, and, and I think if that, that occurs, uh, you get strong demand, uh, probably won't keep in line with the record volume of supply in 2017. Uh, we're going to peak this year. So I think this will be the first year in, in, since the recession where you have a little more supply than demand on a macro basis. That, again, that's primarily going to impact the Class A and downtown submarket space. Um, I think that you look at the Class B sector and kind of the C plus, the kind of the real heart of the apartment market. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's it, that stuff is is really well positioned. There's low vacancy, there's strong demand for that type of product, and it's really hard to move somebody out of a B unit into a Class A unit in this cycle, particularly because the spread between an A and a B in terms of monthly rent is higher than ever. Uh, we're seeing, you know, and and on a national basis, it's 45 to 50 percent higher. Uh, to live in a Class A apartment. So, you know, you can't offer enough concessions for a lease-up to pull people out of a B uh, in order to make that work. Right, and affordability becomes an issue. So you expect um, occupancy and, or at least rental rates, to, to continue to grow about the same pace as last year then? Or? 
Uh, I, I, we're, we're calling for rent growth about 3% on average, so a little bit further uh, compression, again, primarily driven by the urban core uh, and, and, and lease-ups, uh, expecting occupancy to, to settle in the mid-95 range, which is still fantastic on a historical basis. But, you know, Michael, the big thing I'm really concerned about, I think that can make this uh, uh, result less uh, than the 3%, is I, there, there is a concern that I have that apartment managers, operators are going to get uh, a little too jumpy about, uh, you know, macro-level slowing, particularly in the urban core. And if you have property managers who manage assets in urban areas with next to lease-ups, they also have suburban portfolios and bees. And when they start to see slowing in the urban core, there's a tendency to then kind of overreact across your portfolio. And, you know, you have little anecdotal stories of somebody comes in a leasing office, complains about the high rent, and says they're moving out. And, you know, a year ago you say, okay, whatever, i got other people who want to live here. And when you start to feel a little bit of nervousness, you start to, you know, overreact in those situations. And I saw we're seeing a little bit of that in the second half of 2016. And I think if, if operators aren't guided by their internal fundamentals in 2017, they start to let – kind of the old sentiment guide things a little bit, I think you could see some some uh, additional softening that bring rent, rent growth down even further. Yeah, well, they also need to watch uh, your software, right, that's adjusting the rental rates for them uh, on, each, on a property-by-property property basis every day, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, we watch that closely in yeah. YieldStar Revenue Management, you know, the acceptance of rates. And, and, you know, there's a tendency sometimes when the market shows a little bit of softening to want to, you know, revert back to sort of manual mode. And we've mm-hmm. seen time and again it tends to, to end poorly. Right. And, Jay, I want you to stay with us over the break because I want to ask you about cap rates moving forward in 2017 with rising rates. Also, if there might be some impact on the multifamily industry from a Trump presidency. So stay with us. We'll have more on multifamily 2017. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking multifamily 2017. My guest is Jay Parsons. He's VP of MPF Research, part of RealPage. And Jay, you uh, have an announcement for us, don't you? Yeah, we had some good news uh, in the past couple, past week or so. Uh, our parent company, RealPage, announced the acquisition of Axiometrics, which, uh, as you know, is one of the leading uh, apartment trackers in the country. So we're real excited to. Uh, bring them into the RealPage family along with MPF Research and our partnership that we have with uh, Real Capital Analytics. So it's uh, very exciting. That's fantastic. Congratulations. And uh, so, Jay, uh, talk to us about cap rates for 2017 and moving forward for the multifamily world, because I think we're all curious uh, about your crystal ball and how it looks, because I guess we're expecting uh, rental rates to, to climb a little bit. We're thinking about, hey, there is some uh, new supply coming on the market in some of these uh, uh, markets. And um, then also, you know, we have the rising interest rates. So uh, yeah. what do you see? Well, you know, let me preface any comment by saying that I think anyone who's tried to forecast cap rates has been proven wrong <laughs> in the last five years. So <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a fool's errand. But my best guess 
is that we're going to see cap rates uh, remain around where they are today in the mid fives range. It's it's uh, you know we've already seen um, you know some stagnancy in rates for the top tier you know Class A um, you know core markets and urban properties. We really you know right around five percent ish and in some cases less than that. But you don't see a lot of compression at that segment. And so what's dri- driven compression on a macro basis for apartments is the you know garden and tertiary. And, uh, you know, that's been coming down for the last couple of years. And so I would be surprised if we saw further compression in that space. So I think we're going to be settling right around where we are. Okay. And, uh, Jay, I'd like to ask you about um, your expectations for 2017 related to a Trump presidency. Obviously, he's trying to do a lot. He has a big agenda. And one of those is to potentially reduce corporate tax rates uh, and personal tax rates. So if, if he's able to do that, and, and what do you, do you think he, he might be able to do it? If is, does that mean tenants have more money to spend on rent? Does that mean corporations are going to create more jobs and therefore the multifamily industry? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question I was talking about. And we just had the big NMHC annual meeting last week in San Diego, and 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 that's a question that's been a hot topic right now. And I think that the, the you know you look, it, it's hard to take any one of these policies in isolation because there's a lot that's going on. I mean, obviously, you know, you can make a strong case that uh, you know lower tax rates and some of these other uh, you know business friendly policies, uh, deregulation, could be a stimulus stimulus for. Um, for job growth and housing demand. On the flip side, there's some nervousness about, you know, the protectionism views toward trade uh, and the impact that could have on the economy. And so I think there's some unknowns here. I think you can make a good case that they'll have accelerated job growth, but I also think you can make a plausible case that, you know, we we, um, have some trouble. So I I think that's going to a little bit to be determined. Interesting. So what else do you think might impact the apartment market moving forward? Well, the, the other hot topic, uh, particularly on the capital side, that everyone was talking about at NMHC and, and really uh, since the Trump election, has been, you know, what happens um, in, in on the debt side with, uh, you know, how much Trump could deregulate that space as he's in his uh, team has promised to do. You know, obviously, as you well know, the, the risk retention rules put in uh, in the prior administration have, are extremely unpopular uh, among commercial real estate investors and lenders. Um, as well as the so-called high-risk or high-volatility high commercial real estate uh, designation. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's good reason to say that, you know, some of those, you know, designs, uh, well, maybe well-intended, uh, weren't sufficiently thought through and the impact they'd have on, the, on, uh, on housing. So um, I, think that, I think that there's some excitement that we could, you know, there was initially some concern that we'd see some slowing on the, on cap and then capital coming into the to the commercial real estate space, particularly multifamily in 2017 because of those rules. But uh, with with lenders now knowing that those things are going away, I think there's a little more willingness to um, to sort of keep the party going a little bit. Yeah, that's good news. So with the close here, Jay, I know you have to go. Close with a tip for us if we're maybe we're an investor, we're an owner of multifamily or developer. Sure. You know, you know, in this cycle, and we continue to hear this at NMHC, um, we've seen so much, uh, so, so many, uh, so many investors really targeting the same strategy. And uh, you know, Michael, you and I've talked about this a little bit before, where there's been so much interest in going urban, uh, going you know, high-end luxury, and that was clearly an opportunity in the early part of this cycle. Um, but what it does concern me a little bit that we still see so much money attracting that same strategy, you know, seven years later, given what we're seeing in the fundamentals. 
And so, you know, if I'm a developer, I'm an investor, um, you know, and I'm really looking at high-end suburban areas close to jobs, high home prices. Uh, these are the areas that have the real barriers to entry these days. I think of areas like Plano outside of Dallas, Alpharetta and Atlanta. I mean, these, you know, it's hard to get into these spots, but the fundamentals there are great. Uh, the incomes are fantastic. You're close to jobs and, and retail, hospitality, high home prices. Um, and so if you can make those deals work, uh, you know, that's where I would be, and certainly for the value-add strategy as well. Okay. And what about existing owners as far as management? Any tips there, Jay? Yeah, as I alluded to earlier, I think the key factor for 2017 is is let your internal fundamentals guide you. Trust your revenue management. You know, don't be distracted by the anecdotal stuff that comes through the leasing office, but what people are saying. You know, obviously you need to let that, you need to be aware of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, if you have 4% vacancy and you see a little bit of tick down in retention rates, um, you know, and occupancy comes down 95%, um, that's not a reason to panic. And uh, you really need to hold, uh, you, you know, there's an opportunity, particularly in that B space and in the suburbs where you're not competing with supply, to continue to push on rents. And ultimately, uh, for operators who choose not to, even when fundamentals are still strong, um, you know, obviously there's always exceptions, but on a macro basis, uh, you know, you're leaving money on the table. Right. Well, great tips, Jay. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. If you like more from Jay Parsons, uh, he is VP of MPF Research at RealPage. And, of course, as you've heard, they just are buying Axiometrics, so really powerful company there. If you want more information, visit mpfresearch.com. And stay with us. We'll have more on Multifamily 2017. I'm Michael Bull. You're watching or listening to The Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking multifamily. We're going to look back at 2016 and look ahead to 2017 to see what to expect. Please welcome my next guest is Stephen Marks. He's managing director, managing director with Fitch Ratings. Stephen, thanks for joining us on the phone today. Michael, thank you very much for having me. Well, Stephen, how did multifamily REITs uh, perform in 2016? Was it, was a good year uh, in many ways. Uh, the, the sector outperformed pretty much all the other asset classes when it comes to the to the primary uh, primary performance metric that we look at which is same store NOI growth and it was for the first nine months of the year it was roughly uh, five five and a half percent which outperformed the market pretty handily nice so multifamily REITs outperformed the other uh, REITs they, they did from a from a performance standpoint now the stocks haven't done so well um, which which kind of leads into 017 and our thoughts about that. And, you know, given that the, the, the stock market is more of a forward-looking forward looking measurement, um, as are we, it, it's going to be more of a tricky year, probably more of a transitional year for multifamily heading into 017. Um, in general, the, the backdrop as we see it is that the, that the cycle has been, has been quite strong just despite above-average supply. Um, and the way we think about that and why, why we think that's happened is, is that constrained single-family mortgage availability has been the predominant factor driving the home ownership rate lower, uh, and multifamily has been the beneficiary of that incremental demand. Um, but 
now we're, I think we're at a point where where supply is, is beginning to equal and perhaps overtake demand such that while we still think 017 is going to be positive from a same sort NOI perspective, uh, it, it, some companies may, may be closer to zero um, than 5%. I see. You know, it seems like we always think that multifamily's just been doing so well that it's, it's got to slow down, but I guess the growth, the improvements are slowing down a little bit in the fundamentals. But I think you, inter- you mentioned something very interesting there in the affordability of um, new home, buying new homes. And so we're also going to see some interest rates increases in 2017, right? That's expected. So what should that do to multifamily REITs? It, that, that might actually act as a, act as a buffer uh, to, to benefit multifamily to the extent that, that a mortgage, uh, well, first mortgages need to become more available, and that that really hasn't changed. Uh, increase in interest rates will make buying of a home incrementally more expensive. Um, so that, that on the margin will probably either keep people renting um, or or maybe be, maybe be a disincentive towards buying. So that, that might actually be a be one thing that, that kind of offsets some of the, the supply coming on is uh, is a more challenging uh, financeability of a single-family home. Right. So to be more specific, for multifamily REITs in 2017, what do you expect them to do? We still think it'll be positive from a, a Samsung or NOI perspective, but, but less than less than how they have performed or how they did perform in 07, in 016. So we're thinking probably somewhere in the low single-digit growth, which will be one of the one of the lowest numbers that the sector's seen really since the uh, the uh, end of the crisis. Right. And are multifamily REITs considered any more stable than some of the other REITs? It seems like uh, when we're uh, working with investors directly with these REITs buying the, the multifamily properties and, uh, and private investors buying them, they, they get, they, they get a, we get a sense from them that they feel multifamily is just sort of stable, that if, if the economy takes a dip, that people still have to, to live somewhere. That, that, that is one of the things that we've, that we've looked at, and, and we've looked at it from a couple of different perspectives. What One is, is just that, is that housing, housing is a human need. People either need to live in an apartment or, or a single-family house, whereas other forms of commercial real estate are not, by definition, uh, needs that, that they're wants, whether it be office or retail and industrial and so forth. So that, that acts as a supporting element to the, to the underlying fundamentals, number one. Number, number two is, just on the, on the financing side of things, you've got the GSEs, right, Fannie and Freddie, that th- their mandate, their charter is to act as a counter-cyclical source of liquidity to the, to the, mar- to the multifamily market in particular. So to the extent that CMBS or insurance companies or the debt market generally that every other commercial real estate class has to access, if for whatever reason those markets just really aren't functioning well and companies can't get capital, then the GSE step in. Uh, and we saw that happen in a really meaningful way in 08, 09, 010. And so that, that is always going to also act as a, uh, as a support buffer to values, is that you've got the GSEs uh, there for this sector, whereas other sectors don't have that. That's a very good point. We're talking with Stephen Marks with Fitch Ratings about multifamily REITs. And Stephen, is there anything in what Trump's saying that he's going to do uh, that could impact multifamily REITs? Uh, pro- probably, probably not. Um, I mean, bro- broadly, uh, some of his policies have addressed the the elimination of the of uh, or reduction of taxes, uh, corporate taxes, which may make other forms of corporate investments, corporate industrial uh, companies, uh, a little bit more attractive because the, the REIT tax advantage gets a little less, becomes a little less meaningful when other companies are also paying less tax. Mm. 
that that might be one thing. Uh, on the flip side, there's also speculation that he may uh, eliminate the interest tax deductibility uh, across corporate America, which which would make it challenging for real estate companies generally and, and multifamily specifically because they are such big borrowers and and do incur meaningful amounts of interest expense to the extent that that's no longer deductible for taxes, um, and hence REITs would need to pay out to pay out the uh, some of that income in the form of dividends. That could be that could be that could create some mismatches in terms of cash flows. Uh, that's interesting, um, Stephen. What do you think about affordability? It seems like the rents have really uh, increased pretty quickly over the last several years around the country for apartments, but yet incomes really haven't increased that much. Is there some concern for affordability when it comes to uh, keeping these apartments full at these at these higher rates? It's definitely something that we're that we're looking at. You, uh, you can only push so far if if incomes are rising at a slower rate than rents. That that's not sustainable, and and there are in particular some markets where, where we're actually seeing seeing that happen in uh, New York City, for example, in San Francisco, where there's been a lot of supply and demand it has not been as robust in those markets as perhaps some of the developers and owners uh, were hoping for, and in some of those cases, we're actually seeing rents going negative from a growth standpoint, and so uh, it sort of ties into your question about how, how much can you push rents? Well, you can only push them until you no longer have two people that want that same apartment unit. And when you don't, then rents need to go down. Right. And then you also just mentioned supply. So, so what do you guys think about the, the amount of new supply in the multifamily world and its impact on REITs? It, it, it's up when you look at overall supply coming online relative to, to in-place stock as a, as a good sense of kind of the incremental supply coming on. And, and it's up. It, it, it's up, but it's, it's coming down. In general, I think there's been an acknowledgement that that maybe the sector is beginning to slow, and that next incremental uh, buyer or, or sorry renter is maybe not there or as robust. And so, we've seen a general pullback in development spending by REITs. Uh, and in general, uh, I think 017 might be the kind of the or 016 or 017 maybe the peak years of development deliveries, and then we expect there to be a slowdown. I see. A quick tip before you have to go, Stephen, for the multifamily folks. Uh, be, be careful. I mean, this this is a year of transition, um, and so while while uh, fundamentals have been good, uh, the market and we are forward looking, and it's all about what what does the future hold? Does can demand kind of keep up with this this, this strong amount of supply that's been coming on? Um, can companies still begin continue to push rents? We don't think so. Uh, we think this is going to be a year of transition. Um, having said that, for REITs in particular. They have delevered way more than other sectors. They've got tons of liquidity. So in that sense, to the extent there's some weakness or some downside on fundamentals, they're well protected from a credit standpoint. Good advice, Stephen Marks. Thanks for joining us. And stay tuned for more on the multifamily market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the multifamily market. We're including a forecast for 2017. Please welcome my next guest, Nadia Bylint. She's the real estate writer with Rent Cafe. Nadia, thanks for joining us on the phone today. Good morning. Thank you. Well, Nadia, you wrote an interesting article, and with your permission, we'll put a link here on the show page. And you talked about uh, lead certification in apartments, and I think a lot of us in the commercial real estate world are used to to lead in office properties and, and, and some other sectors, but I'm not all that familiar with it in the multifamily world. How prolific is lead certification in the multifamily world? Well, looking at historic data going back to 2008, when lead certification became more common for multifamily buildings, it is certainly becoming more prolific. The ratio between new green certified rental apartments to total new rental apartments completed is on a visible upward trend. If back in 2008, 2% of the new apartments completed nationwide were lead certified, in 2016, 18% of all new deliveries are lead certified or pending certification. Overall, in the U.S., we have 15% of new construction uh, being built after 2009 that is LEED certified. And in, in some major cities, the percentages are even higher. For example, in Boston, Massachusetts, 71% of all units built 2009 and after are green certified. In Cincinnati, Ohio, 48%. In Portland, 45%. In New York, 35% and in Chicago, 34%. Now, this is due in part to state and local legislation, specific in initiatives and incentives that encourage sustainable development, but it is also part of a social movement, so to speak. More consumers promote sustainability through their daily habits, and they show a growing interest in using uh, less resources. They want to live and work in buildings that use materials, finishes, and fixtures that have a good impact on the community and the environment. These are more or less the target renters for the green multifamily sector, and the real estate market is responding to this increasing demand. Right, and uh, Nadia, are these, these targets uh, millennials, or are they all across all demographics? They are across all demographics. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a recent renter survey that shows for example, that 66% of respondents who are millennials are interested in renting green apartments, but um, a greater number of renters that belong to older generations expressed an interest in lead certified communities. 72% of Generation X responders and 74% of baby boomer responders said that um, they're interested to live in a green apartment. Now, to break it down even more, um, of those respondents that um, are part of the millennial generation that said they were interested, um, and our survey also looked at how much they would be willing to pay right. for these apartments. And 56% of um, the millennial respondents are willing to pay up to $100 a month in extra rent. Um, 26% of them said they wouldn't pay anything extra. 7% said they would pay between 100 and 300 in additional rent. 4% said they would pay between 
300 and 500 extra, mm-hmm. and 7% would pay $500 or more in extra rent. Well, wow, sounds like my daughter in uh, college there. I'm paying her rent. <laughs> and, you know, doing lead certified construction, obviously, it costs more money. So how much higher are the rents typically on these lead certified apartments? Well, on average, um, at the national level, it costs about $560 more in monthly rent for a lead certified apartment wow. versus a non-certified apartment. Right, and you're going to get some savings uh, for the tenant and the, and their utilities, right? Um, yes, of course. Um, a lot of the features that are being offered are energy-saving features, um, but also um, they offer um, other benefits such as prime locations, either highly walkable or in proximity to alternative transportation, water efficiency features, um, um, at the unit level as well as the building level um, and, and also better indoor quality, um, indoor air quality and the thermal comfort. Right, so wellness is uh, very big now in commercial real estate and, uh, and all of us are concerned about being more healthy and making sure our buildings are healthy. So uh, you're going to get a lot of health benefits in most of these uh, LEED certification issues, right? Um, that's right. Um, all the um, uh, standards that they um, adhere to um, that I just mentioned um, ultimately translate into an array of amenities that um, are promoting a sustainable lifestyle and a healthier lifestyle, um, but are also um, energy saving, cost saving. Um, and I would say um, they're very much in line with today's renter's lifestyle. Uh, for example, um, Today's renters are interested in um, electric car charging stations and ride share programs um, and um, echo roofs uh, with vegetable gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, they grow organic produce on top of the building. Um, um, it's becoming more common. Right. That's kind of the future of what apartments are going to look like, right? What else should right. we expect moving forward for new projects with LEED certification? Or should we expect more LEED certified apartments? As might this increase rents? What else kind of jumps out that we should think about? Well, um, for the future, we project that this market segment will continue its upward trend. Uh, we do expect to see more LEED certified apartment buildings in the future. Um, just by looking at what is under construction right now in terms of large-scale developments at the national level, uh, 14% of them are already LEED certified or pending certification. Uh, and certainly this percentage will increase as additional properties obtain the certification after they open. Um, now, keeping in mind that um, 90% of green certified apartment properties are in fact high-end, it is not surprising that their current and prospective residents are going to be looking for top-notch features, cutting-edge technology that promotes sustainability. Um, So we expect to see even cleaner buildings, uh, more advanced air filtration, ventilation systems, uh, more integrated and innovative design. Uh, Consumers are paying more attention to the materials being used, uh, like non-toxic finishes, reclaimed materials, and um, even the building architecture is important. Um, 
that it uh, tracks the sun. It promotes a healthier indoor environment in itself. Right. Nice to see. The future is going to have more wellness. <laughs> We're all going to be healthier. Nadia, thanks for joining us on the Commercial Real Estate Show. We appreciate your insight. Thank you. If you like more from Nadia, visit rentcafe.com. Stay with us. We'll have more on the multifamily industry. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking multifamily. Please welcome my next guest. It's Scott Spaulding. Scott is a VP with the Apartment Group at Bull Realty. He's joining us in Studio One. Scott, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Michael. Well, Scott, I think it's interesting to hear you know, from the desk, from the view of the different players in the market. And you're selling apartment complexes in the Southeast U.S. Uh, and, and also in Atlanta. So what are you hearing from sellers today? What's the typical sentiment of, of people who own apartments if they're thinking about selling or not? Well, each seller's different. Uh, you have some sellers out there that are afraid to sell at this particular time because they don't want to leave any money on the table. Uh, but also, I, I'm hearing from a lot of sellers that they think at this stage in the cycle that this is the time for them to take profits off the table um, and you know move on. Yeah, now do they think that because of the length of the cycle or interest rates, what are they saying? I think it's a combination of uh, how long we've been in the cycle. We've had a tremendous run over the years. I think many of them remember uh, the downturn where some of them should have taken offers that they didn't. So they just don't want to get hold, you know, get uh, get stuck with hold, it, right? stuck holding the bag. Yeah. yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, property owners and developers who got really good offers before the last downturn. That and some of them even lost their properties. It, you know, it was pretty awful. So, so they're generally feeling that interest rates are going to rise and it's going to impact the, the value of the property? Yes, as interest rates rise, they're starting to see buyers are really underwriting these properties a little tighter and they're not bidding, getting into bidding wars as they've done in the past. So sellers, some sellers are, are a little concerned about that at this particular time. Right. Well, let's talk about buyers because you're talking to apartment buyers all day, every day. You know, what's hot with with a lot of buyers? What are they looking for? Well, there's still a strong demand for A, B, and C product. I think the demand is a little bit stronger for B properties as well as older properties in A and B neighborhoods. Uh, a lot of buyers, when that B product, are looking to come in and do slight value add and increase the rents and, and, and uh, take advantage of uh, the neighborhoods in which they're located in. Okay. And what are they expecting for uh, performance of these communities moving forward? And what do you expect to see moving forward this year and next? Well, what they would like to see is is for them to, you know, buy it at a, a 10 cap, but <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately that's not going to happen. I, I see a lot of people in the, in the B market, you know, buying in the 6.1 to 6.3 um, cap rates and then just increasing rents and, and holding on for probably about three to five years and then putting back on the market. 
Yeah. Now, are any of these buyers or sellers mentioning anything about a Trump presidency? You know, I think some people are surprised he was elected president uh, as they're making decisions to buy or sell. Well, it's an interesting topic. It comes up a lot in conversation. But I think the early sentiment is, you know, Trump, with his real estate background, is going to do something great for uh, the real estate market and business owners as a whole. Okay. Well, if you could leave our audience with a tip, if, if they're a, a property owner, maybe they're considering selling or not, or a buyer in the market, what would be a tip uh, to leave them with? Well, I guess if you're a, a property seller in the market and you're considering to sell within the next five to ten years, a lot of the economists say that we are at the top of the market, so I'd, I'd recommend that you would uh, contact Bull Realties <laughs> and talk to us about selling your property. Sound like a true broker. <laughs> All right. Scott, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you for joining us out there uh, around the country on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're watching or listening. Please uh, connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We love hearing from you. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Excelligent, building data everywhere. Apto, your entire brokerage in the cloud. And Get Valuate, online investment analysis. The best thank you? A referral to our sponsors. You can find them at CREshow.com.